You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When the red light goes, uh, take two. When the red light goes off, we're just getting started. This is Off Air with Chris Thomas and Mike Conti, giving you a look behind the scenes of Atlanta's top sports station as we take you through the top stories of the week from the world of sports and entertainment. Welcome to Off Air. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome on in. To the latest episode of the Off Air Podcast. I am Chris Thomas, joined by the head honcho himself, Mike Conti. And Mike, plenty to get into on this episode. And uh, on a rare note, most of it good. Uh, we got a lot of positives from this weekend to talk about. Um, so as we dive right in here, uh, picking your brain. Because the station has a little bit of a balancing act to do today because it is an important day for two very specific reasons. The Falcons wrapped up their season, got a nice win over uh, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Although he only played a couple series, we beat him. We finally beat him in Atlanta. There may be an asterisk next to it because he didn't play the full game, but still felt pretty nice to end the season that way. And then we have a little thing called the National Championship game happening tonight. So, as a brand manager, how do we strike that balance, Mike, of keeping us wrapping up the season, not looking too far ahead, but also making sure we give the dogs their due? Yeah, I mean, I think if you just walk around town this morning, and uh, we're recording this on Monday morning, and it's beautiful out, it's sunny, and it's warm, and, um, you know, the vibe I get is that there's a lot of excitement for the game tonight, the Georgia TCU game, and there was a lot of, I think, positives to take out of the Falcons game yesterday, but to me, Chris, the season is over. A lot of those storylines can be revisited later this week. And in fact, they will be on Sports Radio 92.9, the game Wednesday at 11 a.m. when Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot have their season-ending press conference. So it's not that we're necessarily putting the Falcons' content on pause, but I think we did a really good job Sunday afternoon and evening with uh, Chris Goforth and Harper LaBelle and then Rob Tribble with the Falcons' flyover, just contextualizing what, Sunday's win over Tampa really meant and what the way forward is going to be now for the Falcons, knowing that they have the eighth overall pick, knowing that they have a last place schedule for next year, you know, all the things that we kind of learned on Sunday, I, I think we addressed on Sunday on this radio station. To me, the vast majority of what we're going to be doing on Monday, today, uh, on this radio station is going to be forward looking towards tonight because that is... Um, 
that's the fresh story, honestly. I mean, that's the the story to which we don't yet know the ending. And I think it's what our listeners are most excited about today. So we'll spend a lot of today, most of today, previewing the game. Uh, after the game tonight, we'll be the only radio station in the market that will be on as soon as the final whistle sounds, taking calls. And I'm really, really excited about that because that is the the essence of what we do here at this radio station. We want to give our listeners a chance to react positively or negatively. We'll be the only place in town that's doing that. Tomorrow, we'll spend the entire day reacting to what happened tonight, good or bad. Uh, hopefully good, but if it's bad, we'll have a lot of content to get into. What happened? Uh, how did Georgia lose to TCU? And then on Wednesday, we flip back to the Falcons uh, because, as I said, we'll have fresh news on Wednesday from the Falcons. We'll hear from the coach. We'll hear from the GM for the first time since the season started. Uh, and then I think that that kind of pushes us into um, – you know, wild card weekend and and the NFL playoffs, which you'll be able to hear on this radio station as well, starting on Saturday. So it's not that we're not going to talk about Falcons at all today, but I'd say the balance is going to be heavily tilted towards tonight's game. A little uh, media nugget button because what I was at the game on Sunday with our old buddy, Steven Gagliano, the former co-host of this podcast, we had a little uh, reuniting and it was a great time. We did pass by the 92.9 uh, pregame booth. And I have to give a ton of credit to Chris and Harper because mm -hmm. there was traffic and mass walking past them, walking around them, stopping and looking at the booth, all going on while they were on air. So mm -hmm. as people were filtering in to the game, uh, it was actually a late arriving crowd, and I found out why. There was a police presence around the stadium that had blocked off some of the local roads. So some of the crowd getting into the stadium was late arriving. So as Chris and Harper are wrapping up their broadcast, there's just f seas of people walking to their seats and trying to get beers and do everything. So, Mike, I will let you know that your, your boys with the boots on the ground did a phenomenal job yesterday. Yeah, they really have all year. I, I've had a chance to to be at a number of games and and just kind of visit with them and and check out our setup. And I, I think Chris and Harper actually really really enjoy being in that position because they like interacting with our listeners. They like interacting with Falcons fans. So we want to put them in a location where they're going to have the best opportunity to do so. And um, you know, the stadium was very cooperative and working with us and in, in putting them in that, that location in front of Molly B's, which is really, you know, that's the main entrance to the stadium and we're right at the front door. So we want as many people as possible interacting with Chris and Harper and Chris and Harper like that interaction. And you're right. It can be a little bit tricky when you're trying to do a show and, and manage, you know, uh, interacting with listeners at the same time, but it, it, you know, talented, People can do it, and Chris and Harper are very talented. So I'm just really proud of our Falcons crew in general. Um, you know, everyone from from Wes and Dave, who you know, they're so solid. They're such pros uh, in the way that they they call the game and and just the way they prepare and, um, you know, communicate information and also give their opinions and have fun at the same time. It's just such a wonderful balance to hear, and. It, Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm so pleased that they're they're working for us um, because they're really terrific at what they do. Uh, Miller Pope, our engineer, Bo Morgan, uh, who was the producer of the Falcons games this year. You mentioned Chris and Harper. Uh, Joe Patrick, I thought, did a, a fantastic job covering the team for us this year in his first season on the Falcons beat. Just did an awesome job. Really, really proud of him and the work that he did. Uh, you know, uh, Abe Gordon producing the Wade Ford Tailgate Show. Garrett Chapman producing the Falcons Flyover. Rob Tribble, who hosted the Flyover. Uh, John Chuckery and Hugh Douglas, who hosted Wade Ford. And then uh, John Fricky, who stepped in the last couple of weeks. Well, uh, Chuckery's been out. All of them just, I, I'm so, so proud of the job they've done. And then, you know, you, you think of all the people behind the scenes here at the studio Dylan Matthews, Jahi Whitehead, Oren Romaine, who are getting the games on the air. Steve Wilson, who has to produce a tremendous amount of um, imaging as we like to call it in the industry. Uh, you know, the, the intros and the rejoins and the, the legal IDs and all the, the, you know, flashy sound that you hear during the game. It, it's, it's such a, a huge effort that requires a lot of people. And I just wanted to shout all of them out here, Chris, because most of them work behind the scenes and, um, not all of them get the credit they de- deserve, but, uh, as someone who has done, what Chris has done, uh, hosts the pregame and postgame for, I think, five years. Uh, I can definitely tell you it takes a large, large group of people to put that broadcast on every week, and all of them should be very proud of the job they did. I'm not just saying this. I fully believe this time next year we will not be putting a bow on the season. We will be talking about a potential wild card game or maybe even more because I think we have the right coach, we have the right GM, and this team is – is heading in the right direction. So although we we put a bow on the Falcons' actual regular season in terms of games, plenty of conversation to come about, is Desmond Ritter the quarterback? And much more. But, uh, yeah, great way to end the season and a great way to salute everyone behind and in front of the microphone working on the broadcast. All right, Mike, I got to admit something. I couldn't have been more wrong. Couldn't have been more wrong. Dead wrong, as a matter of fact. What am I talking about? The new Avatar movie. I saw it. Was blown away. Absolutely blown away. I went to see it with my father and a few friends over uh, the New Year's Eve holiday long weekend. And I went in with not low expectations, but you know, let's just have some fun. It's a popcorn movie. You know, you get the big bucket. We shared it with everyone. You get the bladder buster soda. They have those cool machines now where you can make your own drinks. I got myself some cherry vanilla Coke Zero, which is my favorite kind. And I was sitting back for a three hour and 15 minute, whatever this was going (laughs) to be. But Mike, this movie was in incredible okay every aspect of the movie the acting the cgi 
the immersion. I mean, there are scenes where they have the Avatar characters diving underwater and interacting with these sea creatures. And you think that you're watching one of those old IMAX movies where they would take a camera and go down into the ocean and film, you know, unprecedented footage and then put it on the screen for you to take. That was like my fifth grade field trip. You know, we'd go to the big mall back in upstate New York and you'd go to the IMAX theater and you'd see all these uh, educational and wildlife documentaries. That's what it felt like I was watching. It was it was absolutely incredible. And the story was great. I maybe even shed a tear at the end of the movie. Oh, wow. Mike, Mike I couldn't tell you. I, it might be the most overachieving movie in terms of expectations I've seen, if not ever in quite some time. And you found yourself engaged for the full three hours and 15 minutes. I it was I thought it was going to be one of those situations where halfway through I'm like, did Adam Schefter tweet anything that I missed that I may <laughs> want to know? You know, my producer senses start tingling a little bit. You know, is are how are the how are the Hawks doing? They were they were playing that day. You know, like, but no, I was I was able to resist and I was able to uh, fully again immerse is the word I need to use for this movie because. We saw it on the huge screen with the 3D glasses and everything. It was amazing. So did you did you see it in an IMAX or was it just a, a normal theater with 3D? It, it was an IMAX, real D, 3D. Like we did the whole, okay. we the did the whole experience. shebang. Yeah. And I say, if you're going to see this movie, that's the way that you need to see it. Because it, it totally, it becomes like a 360 experience where like everything around you is moving and like they, they have it they have it so like whatever's in front of you you're looking at but then in the background too you see the fish are all mo like ev everything is made for 3d so it's not just whatever the character is in front of you interacting with the other people on the screen it's the entire world around you and most of the movie takes place either in or underneath the water so it's it's all oceans and so you feel like the flow of the water i i i get now why the first avatar came out in 2009 and the next one came out in 2022 because clearly whatever the technology is that they were using to make this happen took a very very long time to master but i would say it was it was worth the wait that's a great endorsement uh, for Avatar 2. And I, I'm someone who has not seen Avatar 1 yet. But wow. that is a great. Yeah. I, I mean, I, Chris, I'm a very busy man, as you know. <laughs> oh, like, it's, okay. it's very, very hard. But like three hours and 15 <laughs> minutes for me to see a movie is like a dream. I don't know if I'll ever have three and a half in, in my current okay. job. I don't know if I'll ever True. have three hours and 15 minutes of free time to. To see a movie, um, although I need to try harder to do that. But um, that's a really, really good endorsement. You know, I'm I'm starting to think uh, you you mentioned you had low expectations going into it, right? Yeah. Or at least um, just at least I wasn't expecting to be blown away. I was just right. expecting to have fun. You know, I had I had kind of a similar experience on the way out to the Rose Bowl. Um, the new Top Gun movie was available on the plane. Uh... And I thought, you know what? I'm a captive audience here. I've got a five-hour flight to L.A. Let's give this a chance. Why not? I, I enjoyed the original Top Gun. It, you know, I 
used to watch it all the time as a kid. Loved it. Loved the soundtrack. Um, so how bad can can the new one really be? But I, I have low expectations, admittedly. I mean, um, you know, a lot of the original cast did not come back to participate in the new one for one reason or another. Tom Cruise was back, but Tom Cruise is, is a 60-year-old man now. And it, it's just, it. I thought it would feel different. And I have to be honest with you, and I had low expectations. I thought it was a really fun movie. I had a lot of fun. Um, you know, was it this groundbreaking, Oscar-worthy, profound, really going to make you think type movie? No, not at all. But to zone out for about two hours and and be treated to, you know, a little bit of action uh, and a little bit of a fun storyline, yeah. I kind of liked it. it. It reminded me a little bit of when um, they decided to revive the Rocky series and do Rocky Six, which they called mm. Rocky Balboa. Yes. And a lot of people kind of mocked that going in, like, oh, God, Stallone. I mean, he's going to be wrinkled and he's going to look just awful. And uh, it's it, nothing about Stallone boxing again at the age of 60 makes any sense. How are they going to make this work? And And you know what? It actually was a really kind of fun, teeny bit heartwarming movie with a really good ending. And it, it, I think it just goes to show you that it doesn't have to be profound. It doesn't have to make you think. It doesn't have to have some kind of, you know, deep political message or anything like that. It just needs to be watchable and entertaining. And if you can make it watchable and entertaining, especially when you go in with low expectations, you've done your job. So for me, your Avatar 2 experience kind of reminds me of how I felt about Top Gun Maverick. I, I really liked it. You know, it, make fun of me if you want, but I really, really liked it. No, I think the overwhelming consensus, everyone at least that I've talked to loved I would say they loved it. Not yeah. even like they, they love and I loved it, too. I watched, I had never seen the first one, so I watched the first one the night before I went to go see. Well, the and second I'm, I'm one. glad you did that. Like the, the first one is very, very important to making the second one make sense. Yes. So I'm glad you did that. Had you not seen the first one, a big part of the second half of Top Gun Maverick would not have been uh, nearly as meaningful as it turned out to be. Yeah. And a lot of little callbacks and, that you know when they're singing at the bar and all that you know that were direct callbacks to the first movie that were really good and it's also really funny you mentioned Rocky Balboa um i think that's stallone's best acting ever yeah he was nominated for an oscar for that yeah so uh, he, and, he and was I, tremendous yeah I, I i totally agree uh well actually no i take that back stallone was nominated for best supporting actor for uh, creed I don't think he, he got an Oscar nom for Rocky Balboa, but I totally agree with you. Um, you know, it, it was, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think there was this sentiment among the Hollywood press that they just didn't want to see it, and therefore they were never <laughs> going to give it a chance. Right. I agree. I thought Stallone was brilliant in that movie. And, and when you consider that he did a lot of his own stunts, you really do have to respect um the performance that he had. I mean, that was filmed in, I think, 2005. That would have been 30 years after the first Rocky was filmed. Um, and he was just as good in Rocky Balboa as he was in the original, where he did win 
an Oscar for Best Actor, and and I believe that movie did win for Best Picture. Um, I'm with you, and and as a Rocky fan, I'm grateful because I think it spawned now the Creed serial, and we're about to get a third Creed. So I'm I'm very very grateful they kept it going, and they didn't end on that, you know, god awful attempt at Rocky Five, which was oh well, yeah, just terrible. The one that the one that we don't talk about exactly for good reason. <laughs> All right, so for our Hall of Fame audio clip of the day, I picked this one for a very specific reason. And it's from Jacksonville Jaguars head coach Doug Peterson. And our audience may be saying, why? (laughs) And And I'm here to answer that question. Because the Jacksonville Jaguars won their division yesterday and are going back to the playoffs. And I think that a lot of what's going on in Jacksonville can be a model used for what's going on in Atlanta. They found the right head coach. They developed their quarterback to now at a level where people say that was the right pick. He's going to be a star, if not now, at some point. And the messaging around the team completely changed. When you saw the transition from Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson, the culture shift, the identity shift, everything that happened around that team changed instantly and I think that's a lot of what Arthur Smith has brought to the Falcons in his first couple years on the job so I think after you hear this soundbite of Doug Peterson this could be us one year from now think about back in April and May when we first got together you know you're trying to teach a winning culture you're trying to flip you know a script so to speak and and uh, you're just not sure until you start playing games, just how that's going to look. And, you know, listen, these guys, they, they, they trust in me. I trust in them. Um, you know, and they never, never wavered. And, and to get a game like this, you know, down the stretch, I mean, it's just, uh, it's pretty incredible. So Mike, I think that could be an exact replica of an Arthur Smith soundbite one year from now. I think it could be too. Um, in some ways, I think the Falcons are even a little bit better positioned than maybe the Jaguars were coming into this year. In some ways, maybe the Jaguars are a little bit better positioned. I think the Jaguars have more certainty at the quarterback position. But, man, Doug Peterson can coach. And I think Arthur Smith can coach. I mean, look, there's no moral victories in the NFL. However... To, to come out of this season considering the roster you had, the injuries you sustained, not insignificant injuries. Mm-hmm. Kyle Pitts, uh, you, you go down the list, not insignificant injuries. Cordero Patterson missed quite a bit of time. And you lose your number one receiver to something that's never happened in the NFL before. Exactly. Uh, you look at the schedule you played where you had to play – six games against playoff teams and it among NFC playoff teams who went three and one, by the way, which I think is remarkable. Um, you know, how do you justify the Falcons dominating San Francisco the way they did now? You know, how do you justify the Falcons going into Seattle and winning now? And ultimately it was a season that came down and we, in, 2020 hindsight is the season that came down to one game 
It was the game in early October against Tampa where Grady Jarrett got called for that roughing the passer. If the Falcons win that game, and I'm not saying they would have if that penalty was not called, but if the Falcons had won that game and every other result across the NFL would have been the same, the Falcons would be NFC South champions and they would be hosting the Dallas Cowboys Monday night. That's how close it was. Um, I think Arthur Smith deserves a ton of credit. He really did a good coaching job this year. Um, now you have the luxury of having money to spend and a pretty good, you know, first round draft pick at least to address your needs. So I, I agree. I think the runway is there for Arthur Smith to sound very much the same way next year that Doug Peterson sounded this year. I think Arthur Smith is already trying to, um, install that winning culture that Doug Peterson talked about Yeah. on another note. I feel like every week during this segment, we end up hearing from an AFC South coach. <laughs> Don't you feel like we've had Jeff Saturday once? Jeff Saturday, yep. Uh, now Doug Peterson. Uh, I mean, maybe we'll get Mike Vrabel on Wednesday. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> maybe if, like if he gets start. fired, we won't. <laughs> no, that's true. Uh, yeah, I don't know if he should be fired. But um, I, I almost feel like this has been our AFC South spotlight corner the last couple of shows. <laughs> you know, complete coincidence. Uh well, you know, when they've had a lot of news coming out of that coming out Absolutely. of that division right there. And there the will be Texans. How about the Texans blowing the number one overall pick by executing a Hail Mary and then firing their coach? You well, know, you and, know and you knew they would. Um bad organizations produce bad results. Yep. That's that's what you need to, to keep in mind. There's a reason why you know, the the teams that we're talking about now, the Jaguars celebrating a rare postseason birth is such a big deal because on average, on aggregate, to use a term from your world, the soccer world, they're bad. <laughs> they're, they're not good. They're poorly run organizations. And that's why to see a team like the Colts this season be such a dumpster fire is also an outlier because they're usually a really well-run organization. So yeah. you have you have a division like that who's so topsy-turvy where everything sort of was up in the air, but that's just a mirror image of the division that the Falcons play in. What's strange, though, Chris, is uh, would you agree with me that you consider the Falcons to be a well-run organization? Uh, yes, been a few lean years now, but overall, yes. Because that's the funny thing. They've missed the playoffs five years in a row. But I do consider them to be a well-run organization. It's a little bit difficult to square. Um, right. You know, and, and maybe that transition two years ago where they just kind of had to blow everything up and, and hire a new GM and new coach, uh, you almost have to disregard the prior three years. I, I don't know. Um, I will say this, and it's a topic we'll get into a lot on the radio station over the next couple months. This is a do-or-die year coming up now for Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot. Yep. It can't be a seven-win season. Uh, it's got to be a playoff or bust-type mentality. Um, and, you know, hopefully the GM nails it with what he has to do now over the next couple months in bringing in draft picks and free agents. If he does, I think the Falcons are very, very well positioned in a division that even this year was quite winnable. While we have an extra minute or two, 
What are your thoughts on uh, Rich McKay's maneuver during the organization? Uh, this is something that you, yeah. you're the right person to explain something. Yeah, like honestly, this. I don't, I don't really think it's a significant story. Um, he's, I think a lot of very good people in the organization uh, got some new titles, but essentially their jobs remain mostly the same. Um, you know, Steve Cannon still uh, has Rich McKay reporting to him. Rich McKay still has Greg Beatles reporting to him. It's just everyone has new titles. I don't necessarily think this is a precursor to Rich McKay throttling back his duties with the Falcons. I don't think he's going to be stepping off the competition committee or anything like that. I think it's a great bump for uh, a real self-made success story in Greg Beatles, who started with the Falcons as an intern almost 30 years ago and is now hmm. team president. But I still really believe um, your Rich McKay, I think, is still going to be on the competition committee. I still think if something goes wrong with the team, Rich McKay is the guy who's going to step in first, um, as it was a couple of years ago when um, uh, Thomas Dimitrov was fired. So I'm not getting too wrapped up in that press release today. I think it's good news for a lot of good people uh, who hopefully will get some better paychecks, but I don't necessarily know if if the duties and the responsibilities are going to change dramatically as, as a result of this. And that's why we bring you in, because you can provide that sort of insight and education. Hey, I could be totally wrong, too, but that's just the way I read it based on um, everything I know. Like They love to reorganize over there. Uh, I, I feel like AMBSE, they, they reorganize two or three times a year. So uh, this feels like another reorganization where, uh, again, really good people like Tim Zelaski, who we deal with a lot here at the radio station, uh, he got a, a new title out of this. Great for him. Uh, Greg Beatles, as I mentioned, great for him. Love seeing good things happen to good people. Uh, but I think as far as the day-to-day faces that we're used to seeing, I don't think a whole lot of that's going to change. All right. Well, that will do it for the latest episode of the Off Air Podcast. Next time we speak to everyone, Mike, will Georgia be back-to-back champions? We shall see. Spoiler alert, they will be. Okay. Well, I'll clip th- I'll clip this and pull it for you for when we record in a couple days. Follow him at Mike Conti929. I am at C Thomas Radio. This has been the Off Air Podcast.